Welcome to a new year with Talking About You with Estra, radio and podcast. Bringing car accident support to the injured, those facing insurance company and employer ERISA challenges, covert and overt surveillance against those involved in collisions, along with car accident general topics. This is Estra from Seattle, Washington, USA opening up the lines of communication to those involved in car wrecks or those interested in making life better for the millions dealing with car accident collision concerns. If this is you, dial in today to the program and be a part of the solution. Don't let fear stop you from helping others. Believe me, we are all in this together. Let's get talking. Welcome, Saturday Night listeners, to Talking About You with Estra. I'm glad you're here and ready to talk about State Constitution Basics 101 and Frequently Asked Questions. Be sure to dial in today at 718-766-4385 with your stories tonight. This really is about you. I, Estra, want to know about what you've been through or what you're going through during your car accident claim. So keep this number handy for Saturday night calls with me, Estra. That's 718-766-4385. The people who need to know what their constitutional rights are are often the ones who rarely have the information. In a day of administration with constant change to our way of life, which is necessary for the, not necessarily the better, knowing our constitutional rights is so important. This is also critical to know after a car collision because auto insurance companies, employer risk plans, social security disability, and general short-term or long-term disability uh, policies don't always let you know, or actually policyholders uh, don't necessarily know what's going to come their way. Understanding your rights don't always keep the rules in cheap clothing at bay, but it will give you a better shot at self-protection. Constitutional rights tonight are dedicated towards needs of individuals, especially those facing struggles after a car accident or personal problems requiring basic knowledge of rights under the law. Because I live in Washington Institution, Many states are similar, and we also will be pointing out differences in future programs. Why know your constitutional rights? Because how will you know if they've been violated if you don't know them? Did you know an attorney will not come to you, that you must go to them? How will you be able to decipher content of character of a lawyer if lacking basic understanding or if the attorney is working more with the insurance companies than you. Tonight we're just going to take a tonight we're going to change this by helping you to understand the basic one on one constitutional rights. Tonight's program begins with Article One, which is a declaration of rights. Each article is broken down into several sections are your rights. Some of them have several amendments where things have been added or change. If you have specific <clears throat> if you have a specific interest in one of these areas, 
and you find good information, please let me know. I'd like to have it. So that to contact at estruscarwreckhelp.com. Again, that's estruscarwreckhelp. Uh, that's contact at estruscarwreckhelp.com. There are 35 sections in the first article for Washington State. In future programs, we will go into the depth of each section. Today, let's just get uh, the, con- the basic concepts to help us go into more details. Think about what you would do when facing any of these issues. Would you know what to say? How would you react? Constitutional basics, the whole series, you'll be able to be much further along in knowing what to say and what to do. So let us get started. So in the first article, Section 1 is defined as political power. And Washington State, I'll quote it from uh, the, the Constitution there, it's quote, all political power is inherent to the people, and governments derive their just powers from the consent of the governed and are established to protect and maintain individual rights. So that means that it's the people's power that's important, right? Political power is inherent in the who? The people. And governments derive their just power from the consent of the governed. Who's the governed? We are. We governed our government and are established to protect and maintain individuals' rights. So whose rights are those? Are those Wall Street's rights? No. Those are individual rights. It's we, the people, right? So that's the first one. So Section 1 is political power, and that's under the first article, and that's the Declaration of Who? Your Rights, Declarations of Rights. Let's see, the second, Article 1, Section 2, is the supreme law of the land, okay? And it's called, I'm going to quote some of this, just actually straight from the Washington State Constitution. So if you actually want to go out and take a look at this one or your own Constitution, just go out and put your state in it, like Washington State, and put Constitution. If you live in Oregon, put Oregon State Constitution. If you live in New York, the same thing, or New York State Constitution, and a copy of it should come up. Okay, so Article 1, Section 2, Supreme Law of the Land. It's the Constitution of the United States is the supreme law of the land. Okay, so in other words, the Constitution, that's the federal Constitution, right? We have state Constitution and federal law, right? So unfortunately, uh, in most cases, federal law will trump state uh, law. This as an FYI so that you know that. And that's why a lot of insurance companies like to go into a federal court because, in my opinion, a lot of the laws are set up for them to benefit. A lot of times uh, a person may get in a car accident and they actually may file it in state court. And uh, the uh, insurance company, who, who knows what side their bread is, is bread on, or their bread is buttered on, will actually go in and, and move it to federal court. So... Uh, and that's a whole other, a lot of things to think about. But I just wanted to give you kind of a, a sense of what that really means. Okay. So Article 1, Section 3 is on personal rights. Okay. And it says, no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. So in other words, no one can just come in and take your stuff. It belongs to you, Right. 
Uh, you'll see that a lot of times uh, foreclosures of people's homes are done where? At the court. They can't just come in and take your house. They have to file a claim against you to be able to do that. Um, so that's exactly what that means for Section 3, personal rights. No person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. So they can't jail you without the due process of law. Um, the things that are certainly inherent in our way, our way of life, uh, typically they can't take them away from you unless there are some things that are going on with that. But typically, remember we're just talking about general things tonight, uh, so we get kind of a, a sense of what these all mean. And we'll help you to be able to, to, as we go into and delve deeper into them, to gain uh, greater understanding. Okay, so we've done three first. We've got Section 1, which is political power. Section 2, which is the supreme law of the land. Section 3, which is personal rights. And that says no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due law. Sometimes we actually hear that uh, quite a bit. So number 4 is the right of petition and assemblage. And this is one that we're seeing a lot of them. Let me read it first, quote, the right of petition and of the people peaceably to assemble for the common good shall what never be abridged, right? So we always will have that right. It shall never be abridged. In fact, we have the March of Science going on this weekend, and so we're seeing people who are peacefully protesting or assembling for the common good of our environment, right? So that's section four, right of petition and assemblage. The right of petition and of people peaceably assembling for the common good shall never be abridged. So if you have anything to add to these sections, why don't you give me a call right now at 718-766-4385. And we're going to take it a bit slow tonight to make sure that uh, we don't get overwhelmed because 35 uh, sections is, is a lot. And today, remember, we're just going through these to kind of familiarize ourselves with what these uh, Constitution Declaration of Rights are so that when we go into them, you'll have a little bit of, of history to, to kind of add on to that. So the next, uh, let's see here, the next set we're going to talk about which is a favorite one is freedom of speech, mode of its oaths, and mode of administering them, invasion of private affairs or home prohibited, and Section 8, irrevocable privilege, franchise, or immunity prohibited. Now, sometimes this does sound like a lot of terms, and sometimes every once in a while it kind of gets out there. But for the most part, we will be able to break it down, and in the future we'll break it down even more than what we are right now. So stay encouraged and know that we'll slowly get through each one of these and make it comfortable for the average person to be able to understand. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on. The next one is Article 1, Section 5, which is freedom of speech. And it seems like lately since Trump has been in office, we've heard more about freedom of speech than, at least any other presidency that I've been alive for. 
So let's go ahead and see what it says for freedom of speech. It's Section 5, and it says, Every person may freely speak, write, publish on all subjects being responsible for the abuse of that right. So let's say that again. Every person has the right to speak what freely, to write freely, and to publish freely on all subjects, but you're also responsible for what you actually do write. Okay, so you're, you're not necessarily free from, from everything, but that's basically how it's written in the Washington State Constitution. What I'd like to say is that things may be freely spoke, freely written, or freely published, but it's not necessarily always that easy considering a lot of our systems are already set up with monopolies and the everyday person usually doesn't have the resources to fight back uh, when it comes to a lot of uh, issues that we're trying to address. But fortunately, uh, in the Obama administration, I believe President Obama taught us quite a bit about how to stand up for ourselves. The community organizing, I think, has really been something invaluable in this current administration, and we're seeing that today with the March of Science and Earth Day. So we're kind of lucky to be able to, to, be able to have had that history. Okay, Article 1, Section 6 is oaths and the mode of administering them. And what that actually means, I'll read it from you again from the Washington State Constitution. The mode of administering an oath or affirmation such, shall such be as may be most consistent with and binding upon the conscience of the person to whom such an oath or affirmation may be administered. For example, we all know that President uh, Trump took this oath in January. I think it was January 21st of 2017. So are we convinced that when he, it was certainly binding, but did it give him the, did it impress upon him what his role is as President of the United States? And for me, that's kind of a, difficult question to ask, and perhaps we'll need the, the next four years to be able to figure that out. But it's about an oath being given in a way that communicates what's really, what's important in, in that person's commitment to that oath. So let me read that for you again. It's section six, and it's oath and the mode of administering. It says, the mode of administering an oath or affirmation shall be as such as may be most consistent with and binding upon the conscience of the person to whom such an oath or affirmation may be administered. The thing that I think is fascinating in this text is it says, consistent with and binding upon the conscience of the person with whom such an oath affirmation may be administered. And I guess the question would be, from my perspective, is conscious. Are people really, you know, following their conscience these days? You know, they used to have a saying, let your conscience be your guide. And I'm not sure if whether the Internet has made it so that people follow more of the herd or the cattle or something else than actually taking a moment and thinking of it and with common sense as to how they really want to proceed. Because that's very important. If you... Don't, at least from my perspective, if you don't do things from the point of your conscience, then where will you end up? 
and why will you end up there? You know, and so that's just something I thought was really amazing that the, the at least Washington State Constitution contains about that, and I think that's really, really important. So Section 7 is invasion of private affairs or home prohibited. Doesn't that sound like a long, um, actually it is a long sentence. It says, quote, no person shall be disturbed in his private affairs or his home invaded without authority of law. What does that mean? That means nobody can just walk in your house without permission, right? It says if they come in, they better have a warrant in most cases, right? It says without authority of law. So, no, they can't just walk in your house. May I come in? Do you have a warrant? No, I don't. Then you can't come in. Is that legal? Yes, it is, okay? You want to be able to see unless, you know, something crazy is going on, like, you know, they hear something that's out of the ordinary problem. But typically, they have to have a warrant to come into your home. So I want to read that again. It's, it's, remember, we're still in Article 1, Correlations of Rights, and this one is Section 7, and it's Invasion of Private Affairs or Home Prohibited. And it says, No person shall be disturbed in his private affairs or his home invaded without authority of law. So you have to have the authority of law, right? Without authority of law. Remember, now we're just talking about things on the very top, on the surface, we will get down into each one of those so that we have a little bit more to work with if we have to be faced with some of those. So if you have anything to say about these last four, I'm going to just go ahead and oh, actually I've got one more to do here. It's number eight. It's uh, irrevocable privilege, franchise or immunity prohibited. So that's what it says. And I know that some of these sound the, desert, the actual uh, Titles seem a little bit long, but the more we talk about them, the more comfortable you'll become. It says, no law granting irrevocable any privilege, franchise, or immunity shall be passed by the legislature. And for me, I'll have to do a little bit more to make sure I have the, the best understanding about that. So I'm going to just read it to you for what it says. It says, no law granting irrevocable any privilege, franchise, or immunity shall be passed by the legislature. So we'll dig into that one a little bit more because I have a a few more questions as to what all of that entails. But if you have some some more information on Section 8 or any of the ones, 1 through 8, which I'll read here again, make sure you give me a call at 718-766-4385. And let me give you the first eight we've done. It talks about political power. Supreme Law of the Land, which is Section 2. Section 3 is Personal Rights. Section 4 is the Right of Petition and Assemblage. Section 5 is Freedom of Speech. Section 6 is the Oath, Mode of Administering. Section 7 is Invasion of Private Affairs or Home Prohibited. And Section 8 is Irrevocable Privilege, Franchise, or Immunity Prohibited. Okay? So if you have anything to say, give me a call at 718-766-4385. And when we come back, we'll talk about the next set, which is, uh, oh, don't you just, this gets me the habeas corpus. Isn't that amazing? It seems like we always see that, but do we really know what it means? And the next one will be, a 14 will be excessive bail, fines, and punishments. 
And then 15 will be convictions and the effects of. So we'll be right back to talk about those. Okay, we're moving right on here. Okay, how did I get that one mixed up in there? Okay, so we are actually on number 13, which is a Hapius Corpus. <laughs> Hapius Corpus, I still, funny, I said it the first time before the break uh, correctly, but it's a Latin word, and it says it requiring a person under arrest to be brought before a judge or into court especially for a person to be able to be released uh, from jail. So you have to come in front of the judge and, or, or, or magistrate, however that will work, and, and be able to be in front of them, mm-hmm. be in front of them and then, then for them to decide uh, what's going to happen next as far as being able to be released uh, from wherever you're being contained. Okay, so that was number 13. And I do believe I missed number 12, so let's go back and pick it up. Number 12 is special privileges and immunities prohibited. And it says, quote, no law shall be passed granting to any citizen, class of citizens, or corporations other than municipal, which is, is, of course, privilege or immunities which upon the same terms shall not equally belong to all citizens or corporations. And from my perspective, that means no cheating. That means we should all be treated with the same um, terms. So, but we'll also get into that a little bit so we can go through some examples and find out. But let me read that to you again. It's Section 12, Special Privileges and Immunities Prohibited. No law shall be passed granting to any citizen, class of citizens, or corporations other than municipal privileges or immunities which upon the same terms shall not what equally belong to all citizens or corporations. Okay. So we talked about KPS corpus. I don't know why I can say that sometimes. Sometimes I can't. I don't know why. It says the privilege of the writ of habeas corpus shall not be suspended unless in a case of rebellion or invasion the public safety requires it. And that's why I actually tried to read you a little bit more, a term that was a little bit more easier to, to, to understand than that one. But we'll, like I said, go through each one of these and talk about them in depth. Okay, so Section 14 of Article 1 talks about excessive bail, fines, and punishment. The bail shall not be required, excessive fines imposed, nor cruel punishment inflicted. And as I think of that, that's what I'm really looking forward to uh, talking about a little bit more because I think about people of color uh, actually being uh, long, longer prison sentences. Uh, I often think about these, um, what do you call them, mills, uh, prison mills for people who um, they're putting in just because they can make money off of them. To me, that's a strange way of, of slavery, or excessive fines. While there's one class of the people, class of people in one location, maybe different parts of the country, fined in one way, 
and others and another find another way. And I, that just kind of like, it's like, gee, this is something not quite right about that. So if we're going to do things right, it was kind of like they had, I think they finally changed the legislation regarding uh, cocaine where they had powder and what's the other thing? <laughs> um, there were two different types of cocaine, and they actually had two people, poor people actually had longer sentences and could have less, but wealthier people using it would actually be able to maybe get off uh, with a lot less of a sentence. So anyway, in my opinion, if we're going to apply any kind of punishment for whatever the case might be, we should do it the same for everyone. Okay. Section 15, convictions, the effect of. It says, no conviction shall work corruption of blood nor forfeiture of a state. And that one I think will be interesting. I'm not sure why it hasn't. The no conviction shall no conviction shall work corruption of blood, and nor forfeiture of a state. So it means you can't lose something because of being convicted. But as we well know, that most of the time, for people who are convicted, lose a lot. Hopefully, not their lives, like Hernandez did, which is to me really tragic. This last week, um, can't be able to come in and take things, but. Most of the time, the way in which our court system is structured is by the time people finish, uh, they don't have anything left. And, and that, to me, is a major problem. Um, you shouldn't have to, be, have to give up everything in order to do that. It's like uh, we've gotten to this point where we, we think that if somebody does something wrong, then we have the right to just destroy them. And that's not how our system should work. There should be a penalty, but it shouldn't be the penalty that someone has to pay everything or their family in order just to try to, to make things right. So I'm really interested to see how that's going to come out with the Hernandez case. And I'm really interested to see what comes out about what ha- truly happened to him if he did not commit suicide in prison. I just think it's really a tragedy. But I'm going to go on. Number six, uh, Section 16 of Article 1 is eminent domain. And how many times do we see eminent domain? Lots, but like there's a few things that words that people throw around, and it's like, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, how Washington State's Constitution defines it is private property shall not be taken for private use except for private ways of necessity and for drains, flumes, or ditches on or across the land of others for agricultural, domestic, or sanitary purposes. No private property shall be taken or damaged for public or private use without just compensation, just compensation having been first made or paid into the court for the owner. And no right away shall be appropriated to the use of any corporations other than municipal until full compensation, therefore, be first made in money or ascertained and paid into court for the owner, irrespective of any benefit from any improvements proposed by such corporations, which compensation shall be ascertained by a jury, which is a nice thing, unless a jury be waived and in, in the manner prescribed by law. And it goes on a bit. We'll get more more into that. But you can see that if you have property and all of a sudden they're wanting to to make a drive a train through your property in order to get that property. 
for the common use and the common good for others that are going to have to pay you for it. They can't just come and take it away. Um, and which is just like lately, it's just like a lot of our communities have not been happy with having to sell some of their properties in order to get some things accomplished. But you're not normally going to please all the people all the time. But if you can just do the right thing, it really makes a difference. So let's see where we are. That's number 16, eminent domain. And the next one is Section 17 for Article 1. It's imprisonment for debt. It says there shall be no imprisonment for debt except in the case of absconding debtors. And I'm assuming that absconding debtors are people who are doing things like uh, we see unfortunate people going in and taking things from other people's homes and uh, creating groups of people to go out and do type of, uh, do things that aren't necessarily uh, what should be done. But we just know that you, as a normal, everyday human being, cannot be imprisoned for debt. And that's been uh, changed over our, the time of, because uh, initially it wasn't that way, but fortunately it is now. Okay, we're going to actually go ahead. If you have any questions, on the sections that we've talked about, give me a call now at 718-766-4385. Again, it's 718-766-4385. And when we come back, we'll start on number 18, which is military power, the limitations of, and also freedoms of elections, bail when authorized, and trial by jury. All right, we're back for another set of four. So hopefully this is a good kind of a pace to go through so we're not actually going too quickly. I know it kind of gets a little uh, frustrating at times. So let's see. So the first part was political power. That's section one. Section two is the supremacy of the land. Section three is personal rights. Section four is right of the petition and assemblage. Section 5 is freedom of speech. Section 6 is oath and administering them. Section 7 is invasion of private affairs or home exhibited. Section 8 is irrevocable privilege, franchise, or immunity prohibited. Section 9 is rights of the accused person. Let's see here. And then we have... uh, Section 12, which is the special privileges and immunities prohibited. Section 13 is the habeas corpus. Section 14 is excessive bills, fines, and punishment. Section 15 is convictions, the effects thereof. Section 16 for Article 1 is the eminent domain. Section, Section 17 is imprisonment for debt. And Section 18, I think where we left off, is uh, military power and the limitations thereof. And I thought this was interesting. It says, quote, the military shall be in strict subordination to the civil powers. And I think that 
I have, I'm kind of interested in actually delving into this one too because I think that it will show us, you know, a lot lately, let's see here, we, in recent years we've noticed how all of a sudden we've, our police have become more militarized and also it seems like uh, we keep hearing we don't want our military to actually come on the streets of America. So the question is if they're not able to come onto our streets, what are they doing in other countries on their streets? I think that's just really important to be able to uh, decipher what that really means. So I, that's another section that I'm interested in finding more about. Section 19 is freedom of elections. And it says, quote, all elections shall be free and equal. Why do I have a lot to say about that one? Let me start again. All elections shall be free and equal, and no power, civil, or military shall at any time Interfered to prevent the free exercise of the right of suffrage. And the reason why you know I want to delve into this one is because in so many of our current states, there's so much voter oppression where people are wanting to vote and they're making it so you have to have IDs or something else. And there's people who've been voting for 50 years, 60 years, 70 years, who are used to going out and voting, and now all of a sudden they're telling him you can't go out and vote, you don't have the correct ID. Who does that who, who does that profit? I think about I believe it, the state of Alaska was going to have a mail-in vote, and the Republicans thought because they could possibly lose because far too many people wouldn't vote that they no longer would allow them to actually send in their mail to mail in their ballots. What kind of country have we become when we're trying to use every single method to avoid people being able to vote? Are we really interested in a fair election? Because if we are, that's not the way, in my opinion, that they, they become free and fair and we get the people we want in office. So I look forward to talking about that one too. All right, I'm going to take a quick break here. And then we'll be back for the next session. All right, we're back for Section 20, and it talks about bail and when authorized. And it says, quote, it says, all persons shall persons charged with a crime shall be bailable by sufficient sureties, which is money, right, except for capital offenses. Sometimes people use homes and other things. Except for capital offenses when the proof is evident or the presumption is great. That means they have a lot of evidence to prove that's the case. Bail may be denied for offenses punishable by the possibility of life in prison upon showing by clear and convincing evidence of a propensity for violence that creates a substantial likelihood of danger to the community or any person subject to such limitations as shall be determined by the legislature, and there's an amendment on that for 2010 for Washington State. So at least you know if you're arrested and it's not uh, a capital offense, 
which we'll look into what are and what aren't when we get into that, um, then we'll then you should be able to to be able to post bond, post bail, and be able to release until you actually have a court date. So that'll be interesting to me. I think a lot of these areas will be interesting because, frankly, when you don't know what your actual rights are, then you can be told anything. And you'll believe it. And why wouldn't you believe it? Because you don't know. But it's so simple to get some of the basic fundamentals down so it makes it easy so you understand exactly what's going to happen and what you can expect. And that's, it's just important to be able to protect yourself because fortunately you don't necessarily know who's really being honest uh, in our society at certain times or at many times. Okay, the next one is Section 21 for Article 1, and it's the right of a trial. I'm sorry, it's trial by jury. And it says, the right of a trial by jury shall remain inviolate. Inviolate? That's interesting. I've never seen that. But the legislature may provide for a jury of any number not of record and for a verdict by nine or more jurors in a civil case in any court of record, and for waiving of the jury in civil cases where the consent of the parties interested is given. So that's interesting. You can have a jury of nine or you can have a jury of 12. If that's really interesting. I didn't know you could have juries of nine. So it'll be interesting to look into that too. So especially for insurance, if you're taking your own trust, uh, if you're, you're doing your own case and um, believe me, it will be a bit of work, but you may want to do by jury. But you you need to do a lot of homework and allow yourself a lot of time because I guarantee you, you will be bullied, harassed, and they will go back from your date of birth. And believe me, they'll also post it on the Internet. So make sure that when you – don't be – don't let anyone discourage you, no matter what. Believe me, I'm sure for most of those corporations – when you start putting your hands, getting your hands on the things that they've done, if you can, they're good at hiding things, you might be able to come up with a few things that will surprise them in the end. So just make sure that that's, we'll talk about that in more detail later too. But it is trial by jury, but you can either have a trial by jury or just the judge, just as an FYI. But we'll go into that a little later. Section 22 is rights of the accused. And this is what it says, quote, in criminal prosecution, the accused shall have the right to appear and defend in person or by counsel to demand the nature and cause of the accusation against him. I don't know why they're not saying her yet, him or her. To have a copy thereof, to testify in his own behalf, to meet the witnesses against him face to face, and to have compulsory process to compel the attendance of witnesses in his own behalf to have a speedy public trial by an impartial jury of the county in which the offenses is charged to have been committed and the right to appeal in all cases. You know, I find it fascinating that they're a jury of your peers, and it always seems like, unfortunately, people don't seem to consider people of color in a jury of your peers. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, racist or anything of that nature it's about common life experiences. Sometimes if you don't understand where a person's coming from, how can you understand their actions and how they got to where they are? And how can you fairly assess what the penalties should be 
when you certainly don't understand the culture. So I can't wait to get to that either because I think that's really important to look at and address. We'll also, I'll also see if I can find some court cases for you on some of these. Okay, so Section 23 is the Bill of an Attainer, and it says, No bill of an attainer ex post facto law or law impairing the obligation of contracts shall ever be passed. So that's dealing more with uh, the legislation. So fortunately, the way that one sounds, we won't be spending a lot of time on it, but we will gain a better understanding. Section 24, we hear a lot about, and that is the right to bear arms. And what Washington State says about that, quote, of the individual citizen to bear arms in defense of himself or the state shall not be impaired, but nothing in this section shall be construed as authorizing individuals or corporations to organize, maintain, or employ an armed body of men. So that's interesting. You know, there's, there are a lot of organizations that actually do do that in the United States. Uh, many of them are not people of color that I know of. Uh, but it will be interesting to take a look and see about that. But every citizen in Washington State has the right to use their arms. Okay, number 25 or Section 25 of Article 1 is prosecution by information. And it says, quote, offenses, required to be prosecuted by indictment may be prosecuted by information or by indictment as shall be prescribed by law. So we'll have to look up and see exactly when they're saying prosecuted by indictment. We know what that means. See that all the time. So if you're indicted, that chances are they've got a bit of information they want to to use uh, to cause some kind of penalties for your actions. Okay, Article 26 is grand jury, and it says, quote, no grand jury shall be drawn or summoned in any county except the superior judge, therefore, shall be ordered. Okay, so that was really uh, interesting. That means that nobody else can tell you that but the judge. The judge is the one who makes that decision, and when he makes that decision, um, then it's on him. So you, no one else will be doing the grand jury type of thing, which is interesting. Since lately we've been actually hearing about a lot of grand jury uh, cases. And uh, I think back to, um, why am I spacing out? I want to say, oh, what is, uh, there was more than several of them on there for grand jury. So that'll be interesting to be able to go back and see what they're saying. Because typically, in particular, we always hear about grand juries dealing with uh, uh, police cases and if it's going to go to the grand jury. So maybe that'll shed a bit of insight for us to be able to to figure out exactly what they're trying to say. Okay, we'll take another quick break. Remember to give me a call at 718-766-4385 if you have any comments you want to make on any of these sections that we just finished.
All right here. Let's see where we're going. Now we're at one where people have been talking about, at least some people have been talking about during this administration, and it's Section 27, and it's on treason defined. I thought that was interesting when they defined treason. So let me give you what states treason and what it says about treason. It says treason against the state shall consist only in levying war against the state or adhering to its enemies or in giving them aid and comfort. No person shall be convicted of treason unless on the testimony of two witnesses to the same overt act or confession in open court. Now, that'll be interesting. Let me read that again so that if you're trying to figure out what treason means, this might give you a bit of help. Treason against the state shall consist only in levying war against the state or adhering to its enemies or in giving them aid and comfort. No person shall be convicted of treason unless on the testimony of two witnesses to the same overt act or confession in open court. So if we hear the word impeachment, we'll know that there's a bit of information behind uh, that particular word. But otherwise, we'll just have to wait and see really what the actual investigations for this administration uh, provides. Okay, number section 28 of Article 1 is hereditary privileges abolished. So I thought that's really interesting. It says no hereditary emoluments, privileges, or powers shall be granted or conferred in this state. Uh, So I haven't done a lot of homework on that one. I will go ahead and take a look and see exactly what they're trying to communicate on that and see if I can make examples. All right. Section 29, it's Constitution mandatory, and it says, the provisions of this Constitution are mandatory unless by express words they are declared to be otherwise. And I'm I'm assuming that has to do with possibly updates. But we'll find out for sure when we actually get to those. All right. Let's see what we have here now. We're up to actually 31. We're almost through. Amazing. Section, actually almost, let's see, Section 30, Rights Reserved. The enumeration in this Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny others retained by the people. And I actually had missed that one. It was kind of right at the top of the paper. So we'll have to, what they're trying to say there. Section 31 is standing army. And it says, no standing army shall be kept up by this state in time of peace. And no soldiers shall in time of peace be quartered in any house without the consent of its owner, nor in times of war, except in the manner prescribed by law. Kind of reminds me, maybe this this uh, will be interesting to see where this one came from. Perhaps maybe after the Civil War, with all the things that happened down in the southern states where a lot of people lost their homes and a lot of things else. I mean, it was, uh, I mean, I'm not sure how much time you've read about the Civil War, but they used to call them carpetbaggers down there. Um, it's not a term that we normally see today unless you like Western movies, which I do, uh, where they talk about things that people were just, the South lost and Union armies came in and 
and took a lot of this stuff. So it'll be interesting to go down or go in and see exactly why Section 31 was put in there. Still remember, this is all the articles. It's Article 1. It's all the articles in Article 1. We're probably not going to do any of the other articles, which there are several of them there, because there's a lot of this information here to try to, to catch. Maybe next year we'll do Article 2 and move on in that way. So Section 32 talks about fundamental principles. And it says, quote, a frequent reoccurrence of fundamental principles is essential to the security of individual rights and the perpetuity of free government. Let's try that again. I had actually didn't have that one highlighted. So let's see. It says, a frequent reoccurrence of fundamental principles is essential to the security of individual rights. I do believe that and the perpetuity of free government. I don't know. Do we really have free government anymore? I wonder. You know, I look at how a lot of uh, the Republicans did redistricting, redistricting so that they were able to uh, get the most out of the votes and have things leaning their way. But if we were really a free government, I'm wondering if some of the things that are being done in our day and age uh, would be gone. Give me a call and let me know what you think about that. The phone number is 718-766-4385. Again, that number is 718-766-4385. And uh, I think we'll break right there. We will come back and we will have 33, 34, and 35. Can you believe that? My Aunt Esther was talking about you with Estra. So we're going to go back and continue on with our article from Washington State Constitution. We're actually on section number 33, and it's a recall of elective officers. And boy, have we been hearing a lot about this as of late. In fact, a lot of people have been wondering what's going to happen in our 218 elections just because of the types of things that have been going on in 217. So it'll be interesting to see if people have a change in heart direction or maybe all the community actions or or community organizing and actions of marches as of January. I think we started marching in January and it's April and guess what? We're still marching so I guess we still have a lot to say. But I'll go ahead and read this to you for Section 33 Article 1. It's recall of elective officers and it's pretty long so I'm going to probably skip out about half until we actually go back in and start doing a detailed analysis on it. It says, quote, every elected public officer of the state of Washington expect, except judges, of course, is subject to recall and discharge by the legal voters of the state. Right? Did you hear that? So basically it says the elected officers are subject to a recall and discharge by the legal voters of the state or of the political subdivision of the state from which he was elected whenever a petition demanding his recall 
reciting that such offer, officer has committed some act or actions of malfeasance or malfeasance while in office or has violated his oath of office, stating the matters complained of signed by the percentage of a qualified electors and then it just goes that are provided. So that's amazing. That says a lot of times we hear people calling for people to resign or to leave. In fact, I think we just had someone in the South resign last week. Um, you just never really know uh, what's going to take place in uh, an elected official's life. But let's hope that most, most of them really are interested in protecting and helping uh, the people of his area or his constituents and the state. Um, seems like there's a lot of things going on right now, and particularly in this new administration that gives us pause and want to just figure out what's truly going on. Now, Section 34 is actually the same as Section 33, so we're going to wait and we're just kind of, kind of hold off on going back into that. But it's, it's about the recall of elective officers. So when we actually get down into that, we'll go ahead and, and firm that up. And the last one, which is it's, uh, Section 35, is Victims of Crimes, Their Rights. And I'm just going to read a little from that. It says, quote, effective law enforcement depends on corporations from victims of crime to ensure victims, to ensure victims a meaningful role in the criminal justice system, and to accord them with due dignity and respect, victims of crimes are hereby granted the following basic and fundamental rights. And then it actually goes in and tells you what those rights are, and we'll actually get into that too. Um, So we'll know more about that. But the information is online for your state to review. You just look up constitutional law, or like the state of Washington, like I said, Oregon or New York or wherever you live, uh, within the United States, of course. And this should be the beginning of discovery. Each one of these sections have court cases associated with them and will be provided uh, when we start to, if I can find them, of course, the ones that I think that are appropriate for us to go through, and we'll do that. So, to me, well, congratulations. We have gone through how many? 35 sections of Article 1. And what did we do? We just did a basic overview, kind of fundamental of those, so that you can start to think about which one of those are you interested in? What do they mean to you? And what would you like to know about them? In fact, why don't you drop me a line at contact at com and let me know if there's one area or section that you're more interested in than others. So be empowered and fight through whatever struggles you're facing today. Be informed of your constitutional rights and don't be afraid to speak truth to power. Let's stop being victims and advocate for our rights as informed, insured drivers. The more we know about our rights concerning a car accident, the better off life for the injured. 
and disabled will become. Thanks for your participation today and hanging with us. It was a little longer than I like, but actually it's about right on time. We're not too far over. But join me in this new series to have, new series to help everyday people learn more about what the Constitution says and how it applies to you. I will be using the Washington State Constitution. However, most state constitutions are similar in nature, okay? Due to this New series, though, we're going to actually explore some from others, too. So I don't think we'll just stay only in Washington State. But I think it will provide us with a good basic fundamental understanding. So until next week, stay safe, hopeful, and help each other. This is Estra, your car accident advocate in Seattle, Washington, USA. When you need me, I'll be here at estrascarrecthelp.com. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Did you enjoy the format for talking about you with Estra today? Let me know at Estra's Radio Show on Twitter or talking about you with Estra on Facebook. The more we know about our rights concerning a car accident, the better off the injured will be. Thanks for your participation today in the program. Until next week, drive safe, be hopeful, and help each other. This is Estra, your car accident advocate in Seattle, Washington, USA. When you need me, I'll be here at estrascarwreckhelp.com. Again, that website is estracarwreckhelp.com. That's one full word. I hope to hear from you soon. <laughs>